So Farhaj and I want to thank everyone for coming onto the podcast. It used to be called We Strive, the We Strive podcast hosted by me, Corey McCain, founder of We Strive. And now I brought on my co-host, Farhaj. Farhaj, want to introduce yourself really quick? Hey ho, I'm Farhaj Mine, the CEO of Canna and a super passionate enthusiast <laughs> about building startup ecosystems here in the Midwest and Texas. There you are. Yes, you, you love you love your startups. So we love talking about, we're not just talking about startups, though. We're interviewing a lot of amazing people outside mm-hmm. of the startup world, too. Anyone that's created any kind of business or has grown any sort of brand, we want on our podcast. We've already interviewed some amazing founders from around the world. Uh, we interviewed the guy that literally ran, uh, I mean, he was doing all of the, so the online security for Bill Gates, and he was part of the Obama administration, and then he was like, one of the first hackers at the CIA. Wild. Uh, we've inter- it was a crazy. Like we've interviewed people that have had millions in sales, billion dollar exits. So e-commerce, let it and Ed Hardy. I mean, it's it's so, been really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a good time. So we're excited for you guys to be here. This is just the first season. We have a whole lot more episodes coming. And uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of our journey. And hope you guys subscribe and tune in every week and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Building Fires. Bang yeah. bang. hey everyone welcome to today's episode of building fires podcast um on the pod we have my really good friend uh, and serial entrepreneur nathan buterock he's the founder of this awesome company called pinata grams where you can essentially put in an order and send the pinata with a surprise or a sales letter to your friend or company or peer um, it's amazing, you know, we've been building companies alongside together for a while, so I'm really excited to kind of talk through his experiences uh, and how he kind of kind of turned the company around during COVID. Yeah, they're killing it. And so not only does he have Pinata Grant, but he is, so his main company is better than a letter and it's like, they have four or five different versions of the Pinata Grant. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, they've got, you can send emojis in the mail, emoji grams, they have message in a bottle you can send, which I think is, I think might really be the coolest cool. thing. Yeah. I think that's really, really cool. Uh, so you can send like a hundred units for 25 bucks. So I'm assuming the bottle's kind of small, but anyways, so really awesome platform. We're going to get a deep dive into how well they're doing, how successful they're doing right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've been killing it during COVID. So I'm really excited to, to dive into this interview. Yep. Yep. Super stoked. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Well, my name is Nathan Butorak. I'm the owner, founder, and chief pinata officer of pinatagrams.com. We send miniature pinatas through the mail. They have candy on the inside, a message on the outside, and they arrive outside of a box. So lit. And that's what I do. <laughs> so, so, so lit. So how did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, you know, crazy bachelor party down in Juarez is actually not how I came up with the idea. <laughs> okay, fair it's, enough. It was a little bit more systematic than that. Uh, I'm a startup guy from a long time back. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was, I think I sold my first thing when I was four and they were little peach saplings to my neighbors. Wow. But uh uh coming out of college, I ran through a bunch of different startups and I found myself in Houston working for an internet of things tech hardware company that lasted all of three months and when i cycled out i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do an e-commerce company i'm gonna live the millennial dream and make passive income and travel the world as one uh, does as yeah. one does so naturally my first idea was mailasnail.com mailing real snails using snail mail 
uh, <laughs> then the, the reason I came up with that, uh, idea was, uh, I, I'd qualified that I needed the idea to be able to start with less than a thousand dollars worth of cash, go cash flow positive within three months and allow me to work from anywhere. So I was wow. like, okay, e-commerce, something that I can have other people fulfill, uh, and sensational. So I didn't have to market a bunch and that's where mailasnail.com came from. Um, it almost lasted a complete day, that idea. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if that's uh, PETA approved. <laughs> well, the, the big issue, man, is when I, I had a website live, I was testing the product on Facebook. People loved it. Wow. And then uh, when I went to buy 100 snails from California, I literally had them in my shopping cart online and clicked check out. And then it asked me to sign three pages of EPA documentation because they're considered invasive species. Oh, wow. Seriously? Yeah. So you would have built an e-commerce platform where you just spread invasive species across the states. <laughs> but I mean, like, obviously, as soon as it's like, I'm not expecting my consumers to sign three pages of EPA documentation every time they buy a snail from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it turned out that I was going to do a terrible, uh, destructive thing to our uh, environment. So I didn't do it. Well, good. Shout out EPA. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, you know, obviously the natural pivot was to mini pinatas. Um, so I just yeah, yeah, exactly. Followed, I was say. followed the logic there. No, I was, I was, I was just Google searching crazy stuff you could send in the mail and pinatas kept showing up as something that would arrive outside of a box. Yeah. That's really interesting though. Cause I think it's like, well, what, like, I guess one, what inspired, you know, the pinatas and then two, like, how'd you figure out like how to fit pinatas into a mailbox <laughs> in a scalable way? Well, this is where luck really came in handy. Um, the first party store that I went to down in Houston had miniature pinatas and I'd never seen huh. them before. I mean, yeah, I've never I, seen one either before yours. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they're a little bit more prevalent, but that was the first one I'd ever seen. And the only reason why I chose it was I was like, this is going to save on shipping and I'll be able to do more volume with like lower amounts of money. And uh, that that decision, which was just luck that I came across because I was thinking I was going to ship big ones, um, was just because I happened into a party store that had them. And the reason why I think that we are as successful as we are is because about, I don't know, 70 percent of our pinatas just live on shelves because people think they're too cute to break. Yeah. I'm Go actually ahead. for our listeners, I'm holding one of the Piñata Grams Piñatas right now and it's absolutely adorable. So there's like a purple, a yellow, a red kind of color rings that go around it. Its booty has this little thing that opens up and it looks like that's where you put the candy in your message. Uh and also has this like really cute tail. I, I know you were talking a little bit about expansion. We can get to that later for different types of piñatas with different cool features, but it this I anybody and everybody that you send this to would be absolutely elated to receive one. It's so freaking cool. Yeah, it's a genius idea, man. I mean, when I first saw him, um, obviously you have your pitch down too, because we talked about it a little bit uh, when you were here two weeks. Oh, wait. side note to everyone, I'm currently now living with Farhaj in Oklahoma City. We're just in different rooms right now, so I can't see the pinata. Um, yeah, when you first came here, you had your pitch down. You did it in like you know 30 seconds. It was very professional. And uh, I had yeah, I'd never seen anything like it. I thought it was genius. And I was like, oh, what, I wonder where it's at. It's like, oh, you put it in the butt. It's genius. You got the little candy in there and everything. Like, 
I honestly, I just love it, man. It's a, it's an absolutely genius idea and you guys are killing it for a good reason. Well, I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool that during this craziness of 2020 and the middle of this pandemic, we're able to spread a little bit of joy and happiness and give friends an outlet and an, an ability to communicate in, in a fun way while they have to be socially distant. No, absolutely. And so, so you, you run better than a, it's better than a letter.com, right? Correct. Yeah. So better than a letter is the business to business corporate side of things. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so, cause yeah, that's, that is that kind of like the, um, the alphabet to Google for your company kind of a thing, or is it more like a completely separate business? No, that would be, that would be the way to look at it. The alphabet to Google, it is the parent company and Pinata Grams is a brand that operates underneath it. Gotcha. So what, what percent of like your day to day is focused on Pinata Grams versus like the company as a whole? So 95% is Pinata Grams right now for gotcha. years, for a couple of years, I was trying to chase the business to business train and there's still a massive market opportunity there that we haven't completely tapped into. But we, we didn't, I'd never pursued the consumer angle the way that I should have. Uh, and now that it's in our face, we're running, you know, thousands of dollars with the Facebook ads a day. Uh, the irony is not only are we getting a ton of consumer orders, but decision makers within companies also have Instagrams and Facebooks. So they're seeing it. And just in this past month, we've done work with Google, Target and Home Depot. What? That's awesome. Yeah, we, literally today we shipped out 60 for Google. Dang. Wait, wait, so is it literally just a pinata or like what, like what specific, what's specific about it? Yeah. So I believe they were using it as an employee morale tool. Google was, and uh, just had, you know, a fun message of keeping the spirits up while they're working remotely. Dude, Faraj, you know who we should, we should connect him with David with sun stashes. Oh, I think it's, right. Yeah. Dude. So my first interview on the podcast, a guy that Farhaj and I met uh, when we first met the same weekend, kind of similar concept to what you guys are doing, but like totally different market. This may, I think theirs is more for like kids. Um, but yeah, they have sunglasses that have like, um, you know, like Avengers and stuff like that on them. But they have partnerships with like any any brand you can think of. Like, like Marvel, Disney, yeah, like they're in Disneyland. Cartoon Network, yeah. like it's insane. We should connect you guys because I think there's a huge crossover for what you guys are doing too. Um, but anyways, I think that's awesome. So do you have these companies request like specific um, designs, like instead of a pinata, like well, Google doesn't really have a mascot, but like it, like the Mavericks could, wait, I don't know what their mascot is either. Is it a horse? A Maverick. Yeah, it's, it's a maverick. maverick. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to picture it. I was like, wait. Um, so would they request like a horse for your pinata or like do you not really customize like that? So we can customize. Uh, we can do completely custom shaped pinatas. It takes about six to eight weeks to like as far as the lead time because we have to actually have these produced in Mexico. Mm. Uh, and the there's a minimum order quantity of 300 units. And then the big downside of doing a custom shape pinata is it doesn't fit into our nice little saddle belts, which then we can't ship outside of a box the way that we normally do, which is half of the presentation fun. And we're, we're looking at some ways to get around that with kind of clear cellophane covered boxes that we could put different shaped pinatas inside. Um, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. 
That's, That's so super cool. cool. I was going to say, I stumbled across, I was telling a friend about, because I was on Twitter and somebody was talking about, you know, stuff that they could send to their customers for like, sorry, as a service. And I tagged Pinatagrams and I went to the website and y'all have that all unlocked because I went to the website and I went to Instagram. I was browsing around like the third story finished up and I saw a dope Pinatagrams ad. And it was really cool. Too. Is it like from the creatives that you brought on? And I guess like that would be amazing too to kind of talk about, you know, the first 12 months of starting the company and then the last six months, you know, because fun fact, Corey, uh, Nathan was actually up here and, you know, we had a weekend where me him and Tyler got together and you know, we're talking business, hanging out. And this was all before, right before South by was canceled and COVID was officially spreading across America. And I think both of our companies for about a month and a half were in pretty hot water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was that it was literally the week before the lockdown and I was already in the middle of trying to pivot to a completely different tech idea and uh <laughs> needless to say the the next month and a half were rough and then boom overnight uh I was on a rocket ship. What like inspired yeah. like that first, you know, cuz you mentioned for the most part you've been doing organic and other like kind of ways of acquisition and then you took a chance on Facebook. Um like what kind of inspired that? Yeah. So, you know, we can get into the, the total origin story of how I launched, like, let's do it. Marketing. Um, so the first mark, the, the first real marketing push I ever did for pinata grams was going down to South by Southwest in 2016 with my good buddy, Russ Russell. And we plastered downtown with signs for missing pinatas. So wow. think missing dog sign, but with the pull tabs with, you know, I love that so much. That's epic. That is amazing. So, okay. so yeah, we had a, we had a thousand flyers for a missing pinata uh, and it had our social and our website on it. And, you know, it was like, his name's Pina. If you see him, you know, he likes to party, et cetera. Um, we, you couldn't go, <laughs> you couldn't walk by a telephone pole without seeing one of these things. We spent every day, hours after hours, just walking around, plastering them. They'd get covered up and we would just keep, you know, putting more out. Well, that got picked up by um, probably the most notable thing was Paul Rubin, the actor who plays Pee Wee Herman, wrote a blog article and tweeted it out to like three million people. What? <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> it uh, that gave us some good PR traction and kind of spurred the initial... Uh, the initial sales of pinatagrams that were outside of like my friends and family network. This is that, a really good lesson. That, it's never an overnight success. <laughs> it's intentional oh, I, engineering I, for like a viral moment. <laughs> and I realized I actually missed the the best part of that experiential campaign. So that guerrilla marketing campaign cost about $300 between the paper. And then also we bought a hundred pinatas down with us, the miniature ones to give to pedicab drivers as they rode around the city. We said, hey, you'll get more cabs this way. We've, we've plastered downtown with these things. And we got about 20 pedicab drivers to put them on their handlebars. Wow. So people walking down the street, they're like, oh, there's a missing pinata. And then next thing they know, it, it drives right by them. So cool. I love that. That's epic. There's definitely like a potential like scavenger hunt kind of thing too, for sure. Like, I don't even, I'm just talking to my ass anyways. But no, I was going to say that's awesome. And I, one thing I've learned from this podcast is like, the PR comes from the most random places. Like I interviewed a guy that he, uh, he had like volleyball, but it's like a four way volleyball thing. And the Romanian national volleyball team picked it up and it, it went viral on a video. And then you have Pee Wee Herman going, I'm just like, what are you talking about? So it's like, <laughs> it's just stuff that you can't plan. I, I think it's such, it's such a cool part of your story for sure. Um, 
Wait, so, so, you know, I think we were talking about kind of like COVID hitting and everything like that. So can you kind of break down like what happened, like as soon as COVID hit and then how your sales kind of grew and what you guys did? Yeah. So I, I launched this back in January of 2016, but for four years, it took on different roles in my life of both my attention, how much of my personal income was coming from it. Uh, and I never did very formal marketing. I tried Facebook ads for all of, I don't know, 300, $400 worth of ad spend. Yeah. I didn't make money. So I cut it off because I, I was so, I was, I was just barely scraping by with my other entrepreneurial endeavors and the extra cash flow from Pinata Grams. I didn't feel like I could invest the money that it needed to, to give it the shot it needed. Um, so then when COVID hit, you know, the first month was very hard. I filed for the EIDL loan because I was like, we're going under, but in April or in early April, as people were really, I guess, just feeling like this lockdown was going to last for a while, organically pinata grams, uh, started ticking up the, the sales did which gave me a little bit of breathing room. And I knew I had to say like, okay, these sales are going up. Now seems like a good time for e-commerce. I'm going to give it the shot it deserves. And I started Facebook advertising. Um, and boy, did it work. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys, uh, can we talk numbers or no? Like, it, I can delete this either way, but. Uh, um... Yeah. So, well, uh I'm conflicted. I'll go ahead and talk numbers, but let me think about it before. Um, well, I, I, you know, I can say this. Um, so I can tell you this in March, we did $4,000 worth of revenue and I had one employee. Uh, and now I've got seven employees. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, we've seen tremendous growth over this, over this period. And, uh, our Facebook ad spend went from a couple hundred dollars a day to, a couple thousand dollars a day. You know, we average between twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred dollars in ad spend per day now. That's, That's amazing. Crazy. Do you see like most of your leads coming from Instagram or Facebook? Definitely Instagram. Instagram yeah, that campaign that I saw was really good. And I guess that's a really good segue. You know, you mentioned that, you know, some of your friends, some of your peers, some of the people that you knew, um, a bet that you took is kind of investing in the creative of Pinatagram and doubling down on the brand. Could you speak a little bit more about that and the culture that you're building at the company right now? Absolutely. So uh, I'm fortunate to live in a very unique household. It's an old giant house that they renovated into eight single uh, apartments. In Fort Worth, Texas, Cowtown. Good old Cowtown, Texas. Uh, yeah. And some of the, some of the housemates were, you know, professional photographers for weddings, uh, professional videographers. And as p the pandemic hit, their side gigs of working at coffee shops got shut down and obviously weddings weren't happening. So they immediately wound up without jobs. And I was, I was both fortunate that they were excited and willing to come on board to, to help just pick and pack. But then immediately it, it began to click that, Hey, e-commerce is going to be about content creation and these people are amazing at it. Um, they, they are some of the, the best creators I've ever been around and they came on board and now my staff is, is stacked with just incredibly energetic and creative individuals. That's freaking awesome. That's amazing, man. And so can we kind of touch on, um, 
the other products from your company too? Like, so cause I, I love the message in a bottle idea. Like, so what made you come up with that? Yeah. So as I was trying to really build out the better than a letter brand and add products to the catalog, I was trying to think of just those cliche, those, those really impactful things that could arrive visible. So we shipped those messages in a bottle inside of a clear tube. And so anything that I could create this word of mouth moment when this mailed item got delivered, I was mm. ideating around. Uh, and so, yeah, message in a bottle was just, again, a natural, uh, people talk about it. Here's a way that you could put your marketing message in it and have it arrive in a very unique manner. Some of our other products are, you know, the first product line extension that I had was the Mojigrams, which are giant emoji postcards made out of corrugated plastic. I'm going to mail you a poop one, Corey. (laughs) I live in the same house as you, you dumbass. That's exactly why I'm going to mail you one because I want to be intentional about sending you shit. Nice, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Emoji. I'm sad that I let the Mojigram.com domain go. no you had it i had it yeah i've owned some really cool domains in my life that are now what'd you sell it for i didn't sell it i let it expire yeah that's actually a really fun fact nathan and tyler like both of them have like just really weirdly cool domains like a whole portfolio of them (laughs) well i just bought one last night and it's gonna be a new business that will be launching in the next couple months okay (laughs) we're getting the secret drop we're getting the secret drop what is it yeah you guys are getting Getting the inside scoop, uh, let me just say that for years, people have been drinking whiskey wrong. Okay. Okay. Uh, Is it called whiskeyright.com? Well, you you think of whiskey and you think of, you think of tumblers. You think of the little glass tumblers that are clear and, uh, you know, through immense amount of scientific research, we've found that both the aroma and the taste actually get explosively better when you drink it out of a mug. And so with our team of both creative and just incredible, uh, incredibly knowledgeable liquor staff on, uh, on board right now, we're launching whiskeymug.com. Wow. Get this this. life's crazy. Hang on. Oh my dude, god! Nice, I like it, dude. I like it. This is Corey's jam right here. <laughs> no, but here's yeah. the, the backstory to it: is that all of my tumblers broke, and so I've been drinking uh, my whiskey out of a mug for over a year, and it's just the same one. And my my housemates give me crap all the time for it, yeah. and so I'm gonna make a. It's gonna be a product. <laughs> Love it. Why not, dude? I mean, you're just like you're killing it like so well right now it doesn't even matter <laughs> like sure and it sounds like a genius idea too are you then you could expand to, okay never mind let me keep going on that um ginmugs.com <laughs> yeah boom i'm not really a gin guy though i'll be honest no well, I'm a big guy yeah our product line extensions there are going to be like the tequila teacup Ooh, oh my god that's hard yeah. Yeah, we had like a the little shot growler, glass. Little, that sounds very dangerous well and, and to, to, to the gin point it's going to be a gin glass perfect there you go that's it that'll Um, do so okay so when you're running your business can you compare your day-to-day when like a week before the covid sales started and then can you compare compare that to now what you're doing day-to-day 
Well, what's crazy is that it changes week to week, like every almost, almost day to day. I'll say that I'm in a little bit more of a stride now. But uh, I mean, when this when the orders really started flooding in, I was staying up. Our processes were so much worse than they are today. We were we were having to manually. Uh, so uh, our messages would come in unformatted. So if somebody wrote a paragraph, it would show up as one line on the label. So we had to manually for hundreds of messages tab down each one wow. so that it would format correctly in the Dymo label printer. Uh, and we were printing these all off one at a time through the Dymo. And uh, one of my best investments thus far was an incredible label printer called the Affinia uh, L801 Plus. And it prints 12 inches per second. So if you think of like hitting the jackpot at a Chuck E. Cheese and the tickets just spitting out, it's like that fast. <laughs> that's nice. a great, that's a great comparison. <laughs> yeah. But, but so I was staying up to like 2 AM doing customer service and, and printing out or, and, and modifying the, the messages. And now fortunately, not only have we created software that automatically formats the messages correctly, we've got the faster printer. I've got support staff that run customer service for me. So my, my time is now freed up to do a little bit. Uh, I do simultaneously the highest level thinking for the company. And then I'm also the guy that still drives to Sam's to get candy. Nice. So yeah, I've, seen, I've seen your, I saw one of your pictures you showed us of like one of your uh, Sam, like truckloads of candy. Like how, like how much do you spend on a typical trip for that? So when we were going once a week, it was, it was about $1,500 worth. God, that's wow. crazy. Wait, at what point can you just like custom order from like the people that actually make the candy? Like, is it, like, I don't, I don't know what this answer is. So like, what, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like at well, what point do you not go to the store anymore? So it's wild because the, the unit economics, like Sam's actually will always have the best deal for the type of candy that I need. So it's like, it's a complicated answer. We send only, you know, fun sized candy packs and who's the, the weight of the package probably plays a big role in your shipping. Is that why? Uh, well, they need to be able to fit inside the miniature pinata. Oh yeah, so that's right. Like a full candy bar. And then the, so the other thing is things that don't, uh, we don't want things to melt. So we can't ship things like candy or anything like that. But these right. fun sizes often come in mixed packs uh, or in like, the only place to get it in bulk is through a place like Sam's, which no other distributor is going to have fun size packs in as big a volume as Sam's club. That's for, so does that make sense? So like, even if I went through a yeah. candy distributor that I wouldn't, they wouldn't be buying in as big a bulk as Sam's does. Therefore they couldn't give me a better price. Freaking Sam's man. I don't know if I've ever been to a Sam's club. I need to, Steve has a Sam's club membership. You're more of a Costco guy, right? Steve, uh, I'm, I'm, you Steve I got, if you, if I, if I were to bleed right now, you'd see Costco blood for sure. Like I'm definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely OG Costco live and live and die. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of Trader Josie people out there. I'm not, I wasn't a big of a fan. Of Trader the, Joe's are, the spot for wine. Like you can't people, beat it. Okay. Okay, good to know. Good yeah, to know. But people like people love Trader Joe's. They're like Trader Joe's, and I, I went there once or twice, and I'm like, eh. But actually, is that on the same level as Costco, or is that more no. comparable to like a Safeway or Ralph's? More like, like, a, like an Aldi. 
it's like Aldi meets Whole Foods. Like Trader Joe's is on that kind of spectrum, but in yeah, a little little different. Yeah, but yeah, I'm a Costco guy. You know, I'm not opposed to to branching out to the Sam's world, so I'll check it out. Yeah. If I ever need fun size candy, I, I'm definitely not going to mess around with Costco. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> well, dude, and I don't understand so Costco. Uh, whether it just be the candy distributors like Sam slash Walmart had them sign an exclusivity agreement, they don't have name brand candy at. At Costco, it's all like wow. Kirkland's and their private. They got Kirkland candy, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> well, look, Kirkland, everything like Kirkland. I th- I just told Farhaj this the other day. Yeah, Kirkland tequila uh, or Kirkland vodka is literally Grey Goose. Like it's the same thing, it's same distillery. I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty good. Like yeah. for the price too, it like makes no sense. Um, how because like I was looking at. This is a really weird transition, but I was looking at like one of my buddies has a company called Handoff uh, and it's like this like third party, you know, logistics and kind of delivery infrastructure system for like local liquor retailers. And they had this thing to where they were like, you can get a bottle of Kirkland and just put it through. What are those things called? Like, you know, those like filtered bottles, like where you filter water. And he's mm-hmm. like, if you put it in one of those, you can pretty much turn your Kirkland into Belvedere. <laughs> but, yeah, fun so fact. I think it's the same thing, so I don't know. But all yeah. I know is uh, I'm, pro- I'm going to have to hit up the, the Sams here soon. Yeah, um, Nathan, I was going to ask because this is a really good kind of transition. But you know, when we were both, so for a little bit of context, you know, Nathan and I knew each other for a while, but when we really met was when I was a part of this program called Fort, uh, which is essentially like an entrepreneur in residence slash incubator program that people in the city of Fort Worth put together. Um, and you know, for a long time, we were trying to be as bullish as we could on kind of galvanizing the startup ecosystem there. And we were gaining a little bit of traction. Then the capital factor came along in Dallas and that kind of really like spotlight of the place. But one thing you mentioned is being very bullish on Fort Worth startup ecosystem, uh, and, you know, contributing it, building it up and bringing together the key players to start something there. So we'd love to get your thoughts and what you see as the future of tech in Fort Worth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've always been pretty prolific in the biotech space, having, mm-hmm. you know, multiple billion dollar exits. But, you know, just building solid kind of pharma products uh, isn't what I hope the end all be all of Fort Worth is. Yeah, um, I think that as a major metropolitan city nestled in a massive major metropolitan area, including Dallas, uh, there's just too much opportunity. Um, all of the pieces from the the money, the big businesses, uh, the talent exist here. And it's about communication. And I think also on the money side, being a little bit uh, riskier, uh, being willing to, to, to risk more money for high growth things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still bullish. I am excited that now I've got a little bit of capital that I can start, you know, putting my money where my mouth is in supporting other entrepreneurs and their endeavors. And then also really digging in and trying to say, Hey, uh, I mean, you guys know, or at least Farhaj does that. I personally think that the entire startup ecosystem nationally and even globally is a little bit too beholden to the private equity and to the venture capital guys Mm -hmm. and it just encourages this kind of it's got to be a multi-billion dollar company or nothing slash the pitch is everything and raising is everything instead of saying how do you how do you find an idea find product market fit and then put money on it to scale it 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a lot of even like with the investment side of things and how capital is being deployed, very, very innovative approaches to this. You know, Bryce Roberts has NDVC. He has a really cool approach. And Tyler Tringas at Ernest Capital. I don't know if I told you about them, Nathan, but they have this thing called a seal, which is like a new investment vehicle that they made, which is like safe for bootstrappers. And essentially what they do is, you know, they give you X amount of capital. You know, I think their average investment size is about 250K. But instead of that, like converting into equity when you raise a price run or XYZ, um, you essentially pay back a multiple on the capital that they lend you uh, through founder earnings, not even top line revenue. So when you get the 250K, there could be a three to four X multiple on top of that. And you return you know, that amount of dollars through the founder's earnings uh, by doing like a revenue split there or like an income split. You know, and it's super interesting because like they've essentially structured it to where you as the founder, if you want to be more bullish on your company and invest all of your salary into growing it, then that's okay. And that's great. Um, if you want to take a bigger salary, because now you're bringing in really significant amount of revenue, then you can start to pay back the note. Uh, and if you decide to go to the venture capital route, because you somehow stumbled into product market fit, that's fine too, because the seal converts into a safe. And, you know, I just really like this, you know, the, I think it's awesome to have people who build unicorns and move mountains, but at the same time, there are like zebras too, uh, which are really appealing companies that give people jobs and can create new opportunity for untapped spaces. So I'm on the same boat with you, man. I like, I like where things are headed. Well, and, I, and yeah. to your point, I think that there is some really exciting changes in the way that capital is being deployed and people are getting more creative with it and, and, and it's innovating in that. And that, that excites me as well. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I think like there's definitely a lot of people that just push the the hardcore VC route too much, and I think it's more and more becoming like a you can kind of go. There's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Um, but one thing I almost forgot about, and I'm glad I just remembered, is your Shark Tank journey or lack thereof for a good, like good, well for a benefit, I guess. <laughs> so can you kind of talk about, you know, uh, like Shark Tank and why you're glad it turned out the way it did, and like obviously like you know, if it had worked out where you think you'd be right now and like kind of the, what you would have lost from that. So I'm going to be a little bit cagier here than I'm going to play it safe because I'm not exactly sure at this point what all, um, I'm still contractually obligated. By. Yeah. <laughs> so what I will say is that I did apply for shark tank, mm -hmm. uh, and I did not make it. And I am glad that I did not make it, uh, because it was, um, it was, you know, I, I am such a cash flow positive company right now that it was hard to come up with an ask of what we would use excess capital for. And then the only other like big player, I, I, I thought I could do a deal with Kevin because of his involvement in the wedding space or Mark Cuban because of his sports uh, prevalence and sports licensing knowledge. Mm. But since I found out that I was not going to be uh, on Shark Tank or continuing with that journey. Uh, I then have since been contacted by the University of Colorado, uh, their licensing department, and they want me to have a Buffalo pinata for them wow. that I put up on the site and they'll blast their entire alumni list with to send to our website to buy their pinata. And they're going to introduce me to the entire Pac-12, which then they're like, yeah, once you get a couple big name schools, the rest of the NCAA just follows. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. This is actually crazy. a perfect time. This is a perfect time because they're 
like college sports and stuff is kind of on like a down like pause right now. And so I think this is a perfect time to kind of get in while they're kind of going to be doing a big reboot and you could be a huge part of, you know, their outreach, especially like alumni programs and stuff like that. Um, I can see like a ton of alumni, like buying a, yeah, go buffs. Like, you know, my, one of my best friend's mom always went to Colorado. She's like, go buffs all the time. I can totally see her having a little Buffalo pinata on like her fireplace or something like that. Um, I actually yeah, really they, wanted to go to Boulder when I was in high school, like to the point where I got the offer letter, no scholarship. And I was like, dang, <laughs> but you wanted to go to Boulder while you're living in Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have an amazing robotics department. Um, oh, gotcha. I was like, how did you even know about, like, I barely know about Boulder. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, very good to know. Yeah. Everyone learned something today on the podcast. Good to know. Um, no, I think that's dope, man. I'm excited for you. That's yeah. going to be really cool. And I was going to say any- too, I mean, if Shark Tank episode aired, you know, it's so, I think it's like tricky ter- territory for a lot of like direct to consumer companies because one, you have to like invest a lot of, and a shit ton of money into inventory and two, you have no idea, like, you know, the website traffic, what kind of traffic to expect, how many orders you get, how are you going to do fulfillment and still keep like customer satisfaction all time high while being spread like super thin. Um, that's a scary position to be in, even if you're a cash flow positive company. And yeah, well, yeah I don't and absolutely. Just like the decision making that that comes with some of that ambiguity, uh, it, it, it can get really muddy, uh, muddled. So yeah, as soon as I knew that I was uh, no longer an applicant, <clears throat> um, big sigh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was just like, I was able to be laser focused. And a lot of big decisions that I was having to make at the time, uh, became very clear on which direction to take. That's amazing. And I mean, one of the most so, unreal things is just like okay. the the scale at which we've grown, the speed. You know, one employee to seven within f- f- uh, like four months. And are you honestly, still at the same facility? Yes, yes. Right now, we still are. That's I had amazing. to get two, two ten by thirty storage units and a trailer to shuttle inventory back and forth. Wow, <laughs> love to hear it, man. So, and we're and we're looking at space right now. That's one of those big decisions that we're trying to solidify here in the next couple months, um, you know, we've been seeing over 20% growth month over month. And you just, at some point, you got to pull the trigger on, on those solutions. I was just going to say, you know, bump, bump, nudge, nudge. If your peeps are looking for a new change of scenery, Oklahoma city is looking for new tenants. (laughs) And we'd love to have you. Boom. Well, I, I really, I didn't realize I was muted. I was asking a question and like halfway through you started talking and I was like, okay, I guess it won't even ask it. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just talking to myself. Uh, but I was going to say, what, what does your shipping look like? Is it kind of stressful or like, have you guys kind of like, uh, honed in on what you're doing at this point? As, as far as the process of getting orders out. Yeah. I mean, like if, if, you know, a thousand pinatas are ordered this week. Like, is that stressful? Are you kind of just like boom, boom, boom. And they're out the door. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I'm not, that doesn't stress me out at all anymore. We're, we're turning hundreds of units a day. Um, Oh, that's awesome. So, and, and and every order that comes in goes out the next business day. And we, we haven't had to ever not do that. So we've been able to keep up in that capacity. Uh, Early on, it was very tough at times, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. getting our pinatas there literally, 10 minutes before the post office closed. That was before we had a pickup. Um, one of the things that has been really brutal is all the stuff that's happening with the, uh, the postal service right now, they, they, they got hit very hard by COVID-19 as far as their operations and ability to keep up with the increased e-commerce demand. So we are trying to transition at least some of our, our shipping load over to another parcel delivery carrier like UPS. 
Um, wow. And that's just been a journey in and of itself, learning about commercial shipping rates and, and things like that. Dude, I have a really good introduction, actually. Um, one of my great mentors when I was at Mass Challenge, Nick, uh, I think he's the head of startup relations or like something like that at UPS. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm more than happy to make the intro. He's freaking cool, man. Yeah, that would be a, that'd be legit. So I've got a thing on the table right now where a buddy that's a 3PL, which is a third-party logistics yeah. company, yeah. uh, is trying to get me a sub account for UPS. And so hopefully that goes through, but I'd like the introduction either way, just to, just to have it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think you'll really enjoy connecting with him. His name is uh, Nick Kirby and he's right now, I think leading international sales too. Uh, but yeah, we'll make it happen. Look at that. Uh, I will also I will also take that intro. Thank you. <laughs> what the hell are you gonna just, do with that intro, Ed? <laughs> just gonna get to know him. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be he'll be happy he'll be happy to know me. He's trying to find um, someone to complain about if his if his package gets lost. See, exactly. See? Hilarious. Just call the director uh, of national sales. Like, hey man, what's the deal? <laughs> what's going on? Hey, my Amazon package is late. What's going on? <laughs> um but uh well, so what uh, what what's your guys' goal for the next like uh, six months? Is it even possible for you to really set goals with everything just being so, just like blowing up for you, or like where are you at with that? Yeah, I was talking to a good startup buddy out in Boston, and he asked me, you know, he was asking me the tough questions of like, well, what would you do if you wanted to double revenue? And at I literally just said I'd wait a few months because that is. The trajectory that we're on but then he asked me a very good question what would you do if you tried to 10x by the end of the year and that had a whole different set of thought processes going with it um so i i have you know revenue benchmarks and things that i want to hit but i want to keep um Jean uh sorry uh farhaj alluded to it earlier that i'm trying to build a, a certain type of culture and growing too fast i'm very aware could create a long-term impact, a negative long-term mm -hmm. impact for the company. So I'm trying to keep mm -hmm. the growth rate at this like 20, 25% month over month, which is breakneck speed, um, in my opinion, and Love just it. keep adding, uh, adding staff members and being very intentional about the people we bring on board and the environment that we create each day. Like we start, we do a standup at 909 every single morning and it starts off by somebody punching a pinata <laughs> and, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, that literally happens every single morning. Wow. Gosh, we need to do that in this house. We need to start doing that. No, we only have one pinata. His name is Gerald. <laughs> He's still in his son. Like, we can't. You name the pinata without consensus of the rest of the house? Absolutely. He's my son now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, um, okay, that's awesome. So do you have any we'll, – we'll kind of do a closing thing here. Um, do you have any advice for – entrepreneurs that are kind of, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to advise someone to have the growth that you have, but I mean, like, do you have advice for someone that's you know, kind of just taking things? I mean, you spent four years working on the company before you hit hockey stick growth, you know? Oh, uh, sorry. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, so Nathan, um, <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, what advice do you have? Feel free to use persistence. Uh, but wait, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are kind of struggling right now and looking to grow sales? Well, Corey, I mean, you know that I did run the company for four years before I hit hockey stick growth. That is true. That is very, you were very persistent. I would, if I would use a word. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, I'm just kidding. The, you know, 
I think actually what you said, there are people experiencing this growth. And I, it, I would like to talk just a little bit about like, how could you, what do I see as the things that have allowed me to try to keep up and squeeze as much opportunity out of this situation as possible? And I think it was knowing my numbers. So I, I knew exactly my cost of goods. At every step of the way, I was thinking big, even when I was tiny. So I knew where I would go if I needed to buy you know, X amount of this type of cardboard box that we put around our, our pinatas. Um, and so as we hit this inflection point, I had a lot of the ground, the foundation to be able to capture the opportunity already laid. Um, some of the processes, as I alluded, were not efficient enough, but I had already identified what those bottlenecks were. And so as soon as it started picking up, we were attacking them and we were trying to solve them where I didn't have the manpower or the money or the time to do it before or the need because there wasn't the demand. Uh, I, I already had a laundry list of the issues that needed to be addressed as we as we started scaling. Um, and I think that to anybody that is currently not going through massive you know, growth, uh, going ahead and laying that foundation and that framework and being able to think big, what would you do if your orders doubled, if they tripled in the next you know, month, two months, uh, and, and just think through that situation because as you grow, even if it's slower, it's going to be nice to have already kind of built yourself that, that game plan. Man, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> are you like, are you, you just get a high all of a sudden? No, like, I'm in awe, oh, dude. The wisdom <laughs> that came through. No, it's interesting because I mean, we're in a similar position with Canada too. You know, I think, uh, you know, managing liquidity within a marketplace while growing, while keeping the customer happy. There's like five different flywheels that are spinning at the same time and you got to do it concurrently. Um, and it's easier said than done, but having context and awareness helps. So thank you for sharing that insight, Nathan. That was amazing. And with that, let's round out the podcast. This is a spot where I ask you to do your drops. Drop your boop, name, boop. drop your handle, drop your pants you know drop your panadas drop your links <laughs> where do our fans find you how can they get their friend pinata and yeah go ahead brother how do Absolutely. they get their own gerald how do they get their own gerald <laughs> well they they it's very simple they go to pinatagrams.com they pick the pinata they want they type the message that'll accompany it and they check out um so pinatagrams.com our Instagram is at pinatagrams with an S. Both the website and the social have an S. Uh, and my personal uh, Instagram is at Nathan Butorak, B-U-T-O-R-A-C. Boom. Boom, boom. Oh, man, this was... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, love, uh, I love helping other entrepreneurs. So if anybody in your, in your audience uh, thinks that a one-on-one -on -one conversation, like a 15, 20-minute call, would help them... Um, at this stage in my life, I'm still happy to uh, to field those and hope I will continue forever. Cool. Yeah, we'll add your contact info to the the podcast uh, <clears throat> notes for sure, so people can reach out to you. Um, yeah, thank you, man, for coming on the show. You're an awesome guy. It was a pleasure to meet you when you were in town a few weeks ago, and um, keep killing it, man. I'm loving it. We'll uh, we'll take care of Gerald, I guess, whatever his name is, and uh, hopefully we'll keep seeing more of you throughout the rest of 2020. And you know, yeah, we gotta we gotta schedule another spike ball sesh. You know, Boom. I'm calling a comeback. <laughs> Looking forward to yep. see you guys again. Um, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. All right. Talk soon. All right. 
Thanks everyone so much for tuning in to the Building Fires podcast. Yeah, man. We're planning on dropping episodes every Monday, talking to some amazing guests and giving you the content you deserve. Boom. Farhaj and I are so grateful for you guys. Oh, for, no. Oh. no, I can I can edit this. I know. Uh, Farhaj and I are so grateful for all of your support. If you can, please leave five stars and a review on your podcast app, whichever one you use. Farhaj and I would definitely appreciate it. I'm trying to get our uh, little podcast seo up <laughs> yeah man well you know looking forward to seeing you next week and we're excited to make Ugh, one second <laughs> looking forward to seeing you next week we got some exciting guests for you boom guests for you like guests for you <laughs> you scurvy <laughs> 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 <laughs>